Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. The Around the NFL podcast is the face of Porthole in America. Yeah, we'll take it. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hantis. I come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. And, you know, certainly there are far better Cornwall players than myself and Greg and certainly Mark. Um, <laughs> Shots fired. Um, and even Wes. Uh, as great as Wes was as a cornhole player when I watched the cornhole uh, championship tournaments on ESPN2, as I sometimes sadly do. And I would text Wes about that on occasion. Hey, Wes, it's on ESPN2. It was never like, oh, let me go flip it on. It was like, oh, cool. Like, even Wes wasn't on board with watching cornhole on television. (laughs) Uh, But the level of skill uh, for the greater cornhole community, the true elites, is absurd that they'll go – you know, the two guys side by side, and they'll just throw eight bags in a row in the hole. And I I just want to say um, that in terms of underrated hand-eye coordination and feats of greatness in athletics, athletics, being able to go four in a row in the hole in corn is, to me, right up there uh, near the top of the list. I don't care what anybody says. I think that's both right and also not right because I do think it's something like free throw shooting that if if a ton of people just practiced it nonstop, then a, a, so a decent chunk of those people can get really, really good at cornhole in a way that you could not like, you know, dunking a basketball no matter how much you practice. Like it, those guys have so many reps. You got to give them a little, little. I, and I know you guys think that I'm <laughs> ultra apathetic and uh, largely I am, but there was, there is one cornhole incident that um I still think about probably weekly. And it was at when we, the four of us went down for Wes's bachelor weekend um, at a questionable Airbnb. I would say it was a it had I'm some still pluses mad about and minuses. It. I know you're you're up in arms about it, but um, we played a lot of cornhole, and I was teamed with Wes, and I was determined to put my best foot forward. And we were on the brink of knocking Dan and Greg out. And I honestly, I do you remember this? I had played pretty well. I'd held my you're own. Fine. Like it, it was not an embarrassment. And I actually had a few money shots, that. but there was a final um, showdown in which suddenly I had the skill of a newborn. And was flinging like the 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 bags like to and fro off the board, and we crumbled in the final eight minutes, and it sat with me <laughs> to this moment. 
And this time around, I do accept the music because it was something that I will. It was ponder. epic. It was epic. Yeah, I do you remember do. that now. It's a good memory. Yep, I remember that. You did. Per- you put forth a, a really fine performance. I mean, Mark wants a big pat on the back because he kept it close while he was partnered with you know the most experienced guy there. Let's, let's calm down a little. Well, bit. Let, no, I. It wasn't like typically. It's like Wes hits nineteen out of twenty shots, and I go. I maybe like hit the board once. I held my own this time, and had we won, you would have heard about it. It saved you some trouble because you would have heard about it five to six hundred times a month <laughs> since. Um. Fair enough. And yes, Wes, he could throw the hell out of those bags. And Nick Wessling, by the way, and you know, we talked about it last week, uh, the cornhole showdown that, you know, there are different viewpoints and how it went down in May of uh, 2019 at Wes and Lakeisha's wedding. Uh, he sent me a simple text, two words, uh, based on how I told the story, revisionist history. I think that's uh, fair. To which I say, all right, well, let's let's see what happens when we all get back on the island together. Okay. And let's get on the island and let's play and let's settle this for real, Wessling. All right. Right. But I but I agree with his point, though. It's like you, you've erased the past and turned it into a future challenge as if the playing field is level, which is not it's not accurate. For it's level, baby. No, it's not. <laughs> we got a great we got a great picture out of it. You and, and Nick uh, both wearing tuxedos, throwing the bags. You know. Yeah, it was nice. Um, all right. We are a week out almost um, from the start of the new league year. And this is now we're now deep, I would say, Greg, into the second wave of free free agency um, as the final big names came off the board. It felt at the end of the week and over the weekend, we're going to get to all of that. And then we're also going to take another look at uh, where we're at with uh, available free agents as, you know, some teams I would imagine start are starting to turn their attention uh, to the draft in a uh, in a big way. So, yes, that's where we are at this stage of the league calendar. And uh, why don't we see where we are in the old our league? Hit the news, Ricky. Is a level up in my in my heart? Deeply, just understanding what he brings. It's a level up. Tough sitch there. I don't know if you guys are tracking this story. So, that was Michael Brocker's. Uh, then a Rams star uh, asked about the trade of Matthew Stafford to L.A. in uh, in exchange for Jared Goff, and he he told TMZ that oh clearly Matthew Stafford level up level up, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then Michael Brockers gets traded to the Lions, the team where Jared Goff plays quarterback, and he, he uh, today just today TMZ had an update that. Lions Michael Brockers apologizes to teammate Jared Goff after shot at QB. I mean, talk about your all-time backfires. That's a mess. He tried, he, he tried to make it sound, and even Goff had to answer it and be like, no, it's all cool. And Brockers was like, yeah, I explained to him. I was just hyping up our new, uh, our, our new uh, situation. He gets how it is. And it's like now re-listening to him actually say, that's not really what he was doing. He was just being real. It was a level up. Well, you don't get a sense that they were like super tight friends who always had each other's back if that quote came out at all. You wouldn't imagine one of us doing that to each other in a public sphere had, had we shifted from one show to another, you know. He thought then he you was get thrown back on this show. You know, he thought he was safe. He thought right. he was in the clear, could make a statement like that, and he got banged in the biggest of all spots. Like Jared Goff himself, <laughs> by the way, because I look at it and we're just about, we're about to talk about Kenny Galladay, who's no longer 
a member of the Lions. And we also know that uh, Marvin Jones, the great underrated receiver, uh, no longer with the Lions. Brashard Perryman's in the house. Um, late as a starter, Tyrell Williams, another team that was uh, another player who was cast off by his previous team. Those are the top two receivers with 74 year old Danny Amendola in the slot. I guess ah! is he even on the yeah, he, he's a free agent he too. I believe. I, I don't think he's been signed. So yeah, you you still got um, Hawkinson. It's not a great. It's not a great. Not a great group. Tough situation for Goff. And then he's got people in the media and his own head coach and his old teammates that become his teammates all bagging on him. It's it's a trying time for Mr. Goff. All right, let's get into it, starting with Kenny Galladay, who entered a wide receiver free agent market that wasn't too kind to uh, many of his contemporaries, but it all worked out to, with, for him because he signs a four-year, $72 million contract um, with the New York Giants. Uh, and there's $40 million in guaranteed money, and that is big. That's a big payday, especially in this market, Mark Sessler. And I know last week on one of our programs where we talk into microphones, you were lamenting the, the Giants and their strategies in terms of team building. To me, this feels like a great signing uh, for New York, and it really gives them their first true number one receiver since Odell was uh, traded a couple years back. Yeah, and you look at you get Saquon Barkley back healthy, um, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, Kyle Rudolph is depth in my book. I don't know, but but if you're Daniel Jones, um, it is a huge season you're rolling into because if he crumbles, uh, he's out. I mean, it's like you can't you can't. My issue was more with Daniel Jones with sitting pat at that quarterback situation. I get it, like they invested a lot and they're not ready to jump ship on that. But he's sort of run out of, um, you know, lingering excuses. Even last year, you could say without Saquon and stuff around them, maybe. But um, he isn't a quarterback that I would view as someone that, hey, everyone around him is better because Daniel Jones is here. It's like, can this guy keep on hold of the ball? He's a turnover machine. Um, he's got to work on his own game and make use of Kenny Galladay. I mean, you could argue that it's not a great landing spot for Kenny Galladay if this offense continues to look stuck in the mud with Jason Garrett calling plays. That said, I do think that the Giants went for it. They got the best wide receiver on the market, and so critique off and let's see how mm. it goes. Well, it wasn't wasn't cheap. Uh, it's funny. I saw some smart people saying these wide receivers better take these these deals quickly because the, this money, the big money, is not happening for you. And we saw a couple of them did. We'll get to them. Juju, Will Fuller. Uh, but Galladay got that full money. He he. Th- this is a real deal. Forty million guaranteed. Really, a fifty-four year, uh, fifty-four million dollar contract over the first three years. That's top shelf money. I love it for Daniel Jones. Uh, I think he's played a little better than people give him credit for. And I do think uh, that the excuses that you can make for him are enormous because I think it's not the weapons, just the weapons and the run first approach with a bad running game. It's one of the worst offensive lines in the league. And I've been hard on Sam Darnold. And I think he probably deserves a little more leeway because of the offensive line. It's not about the weapons. Those two guys were protected as poorly as any two quarterbacks in the entire league. Joe Burrow, I would throw in there too. And so they haven't fixed that. So I'm still a little worried, but I do like Shepard and Ingram, Saquon's back and Galladay. It feels like at least you got a team here. We might uh, see what Daniel Jones has and be a little more fun to watch. I would do, I would ask you a question, though, Greg, because I remember after the primetime game where Daniel Jones yeah, had I've the, been all over the trip place. and stumble, 
Well, you were. No, I mean, I was almost surprised with how strongly you buried the concept of Daniel Jones sort of evolving into anything. Where I, I think, if anything, I was probably more saying I, I still see things in him, and I do here and there. It's just never a, a lot of complete games. So did something happen down the stretch with Daniel Jones that changed your opinion? It did. Well, he was hurt too. Yeah. I do think he played better down the stretch. That's part of it. I think I was a little emotional because I've been in on Jones. I like watching him play, and maybe, and I do think you know maybe the ceiling for him isn't like top shelf. But I do think he played better down the stretch. To answer that, part. He, he had a, a leg injury. A big part of his game is his mobility and his speed. And you kind of stripped that away from him down the stretch of last season. And you obviously didn't have a true number one wide receiver. You didn't have Saquon Barley, Barkley for the whole season. And Galladay. That's top shelf money because he's a top shelf player. He's a true number one wide receiver in smack in the middle of his prime. And you mentioned Sandra Arnold. This is what I had hoped for, for him. I had hoped that in the time that he had his, uh, three years as a starter, at some point they, they surrounded him with a true number one wide receiver, for instance. Um, and that never happened. And so I think with the Giants, they set themselves up well here to get one last look at Jones with a really good, uh, set of playmakers around him. And then if, if he doesn't play well, then you, you there's no questions. And maybe you draft someone at quarterback if you like someone this year as well. But uh, I think this is a really smart move for them. It'll be interesting to see um, if Jones' play does take a step in year three. While we're on the Giants, I do want to throw in that I, I thought it was interesting they signed Mike Glennon. Not because I'm a Mike Glennon fan, just because it just shows where Daniel Jones is compared to the Drew Locks or the Darnold certainly of the world. Like they, they just signed like a full on backup that they're that's not gonna remotely compete with Daniel Jones. Uh you mentioned Juju Smith Schuster, and he is staying in Pittsburgh. This went down on Friday. It's a one year eight million dollar contract. And uh Juju obviously I don't think he was expecting Kenny Galladay Kenny Galladay money necessarily, but he's certainly uh, thinking he was going to get a rich multi-year deal after the first four years of his career in Pittsburgh. The market wasn't too hot, uh, so he goes back to Pittsburgh on a one-year $8 million deal, approve a deal essentially, and one um, that um, really works out well for the Steelers, let's be honest, because I think they had resigned themselves to losing um, Juju, and according to reports, Mark, he left some money on the table to stay in Pittsburgh. Uh, the Ravens were among the teams that were interested in bringing him in. The Ravens part um, would have been juicy, but I don't think that's... If you're on a one-year prove-it deal, I, I'd be hard-pressed to find a team in the AFC that I would that I would find more of a... Vi- the results could be so variable than going to Baltimore. Maybe it would work out. Maybe they would um, open up that passing game a little bit more, but it's certainly risky. Uh, why not go back to a system and to teammates and environment that you know so well. I mean, you take all those X factors out and you go play the the best version of yourself next season. And I think, you know, maybe this is a player that lost a little bit of potential money here and there or suitors based on the whole Juju experience, which, um, you know, I get it. The Browns is the Browns, the the dancing on the, the logo. And that's, you know, that's fine, but there's tons of players doing that. And if anything, like, while that maybe heated me up a little bit um, before the Browns week. And I think that actually affected that game. I really do. But I would say this, like like Aditi, for instance, who is around the Steelers all the time and other people who are around Juju, do also talk about him as one of the hardest working, best prepared guys who works on his game tirelessly. So I don't think it's a character issue at all. I think it's just that, you know what, There's most reporters are in their 
30s, 40s, and 50s, and your players are in their 20s, and they're like TikTok, the, the idea of TikTok maybe annoys um, even people like me at times, but I think there's very good things on TikTok. If you take a look, you can find things you like. Um, uh, I would just say that... Uh, let's go, let's, I, let's it's dive a great, into that more. What are you into? A ah. lot of corners, a lot of categories, and you know, I just, there's, there are things to look into. I'll leave it at that. But um I don't I, I think Juju has landed in the correct place. I like it. <laughs> Ninety seven catches, eight hundred and thirty one yards last season, which is a, a truly bizarre stat line. And I think that hurt his market and depressed his value as well because it reinforced this notion that Smith Schuster is not a true playmaker. He's a grinder. He's a tough guy that'll do the the hard work. Uh, but he's not going to be somebody that can light up a team for 1,500 yards in a season. But that's not quite fair either because he did that once upon a time about two years ago. Right. Um, I think it's a great setup um, for the Steelers. Now we just got to see if he has a quarterback that can get him the ball. It's funny, though. Antonio Brown was was kind of right about Juju when he really slammed him. He's like, that boy's not a, that guy's not a number one. And then the two years since, the, the league agrees with Antonio Brown. And sort of the Steelers do, too. Guys who play the slot and are rugged and tough over the middle, they don't tend to get paid. Guys on the outside get paid. That said, I look at some of the contracts signed, Corey Davis is with the Jets and Nelson Aguilar with the Patriots uh, being the ones that stand out. I'd rather have Juju than either of those players for sure. Definitely more than Aguilar who had, you know, played a lot in the slot and got 16 guaranteed, you know, two for 20. I don't know, but Juju would be a great fit with the Patriots, by the way. I wonder if they just never thought his price would get this Not low. Not a Patriots guy. He Not is, a though. Guy. He's a throwback in terms of the way he plays. Yeah, but those elements that Mark was referring Welker. to like, kind of... In his perfect world, he is an Edelman-Welker <laughs> type. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying the things that Mark was alluding to, that feels like something that maybe Bill would have okay. been down with. That's, that's yeah. fair. And that Aguilar signing has been, I mean, that is getting killed by people at this point for being a jump quick, pay too much for a guy with questions of his own on the well, field. Well, that one, and, and I would say Davis, too, but Aguilar even more so looks worse after the Juju and the Fuller signings, that they look worse. I don't know what it would have taken because the Jets talked to Smith-Schuster as well. Uh, would I rather have Jameson Crowder for $10 million or Schuster uh, Smith-Schuster for the same price? I don't know. Maybe Smith-Schuster, but I like I like yeah. Jameson Crowder. Mm. I do. I like Crowder. Um, all right. Will Fuller. He is a member of the Dolphins, which feels like it was just fate. I feel like Will Fuller was always on the Dolphins in some way. In some reality, some universe out there, he's always been a member of the Miami Dolphins. Now he is in this one. Uh, he signs a one-year contract, and, you know, he kind of blew it, let's face it. Um, he was having his the breakout year everyone he expected uh, with Houston last year after De- DeAndre Hawkins went out the door in that um, infamous trade, uh, and it seemed like he was going to go into a contract year coming off a twelve or 1,300-yard season with 10 touchdowns, and then he gets popped for PEDs uh, and gets suspended for the last chunk of the season. Uh, so that depressed his market. Good for the Dolphins, who now have a guy with huge upside. And I like this one too, Greg, because Tua, uh, you want to get a good idea of who this guy is and what he can do. Um, and if you, if you surround him with better weapons, like the Giants just did, uh, for their young quarterback, you're going to get a better chance to see whether he can really do it. Yeah, you, you hit it on the head there. I think I think that got overlooked that, you know, their two best receivers were Devontae Parker and Gasicki, who's a tight end. Yes, okay. And then after that, it was like a, 
a fall off a cliff to like the Jakeem Grant or Preston Williams coming off an ACL. Like that was not a good skill position group. I, I think it's, it was close to the Patriots as being, uh, you know, one of the worst in the entire NFL. I think Fuller's an even better pickup than, than Schuster. I love that. I mean, I could see them re-signing him to a big contract in December or January or using the franchise tag because it goes well. I mean, there are the, you know, he hasn't played more than 11 games since his rookie year, um, half a decade ago. And we, I mean, every year we've talked about when he's not in that offense in Houston, like it changed markedly. And I think it will be the same in Miami that if they were to lose him for three or four games, you're losing your deep threat. Maybe, you know, certainly they, they're ripe to draft someone too, but he adds an element because I think Tua was in a tough situation to your point of who the two leading receivers were a year ago. A lot of contested catches, um, a lot of stuff over the middle. Um, give Tua a chance to throw deep and create big plays. This does it. Isaiah Wilson, the tackle who was a first, in Ufa. terms of, yeah, one year drops in terms of where you are as a professional. You could go across the spectrum out of the football world. This, this is pretty tough one. This is a toughie. 29th overall pick by the Titans last year. They identified him as a guy who could be a big-time tackle uh, for years. He totally bombs uh, in terms of behind the scenes, being on the field, two trips to the COVID list, uh, a DUI, all that sort of, sort of stuff. The, the Titans say, we can't make this work. They essentially dump him uh, to the Dolphins. And Isaiah Wilson now has a fresh start with the Dolphins, and what does he do? He, he shows up late for his physical, then late for his onboarding process, then he skipped um, voluntary workouts, and according to the Miami Herald, he refused team efforts to help him to get his life on track. So in two weeks, the Dolphins say, okay, we're done. And he clear, now he cleared waivers, which means his football career could be over potentially uh, less than a year after being a first-round pick in the NFL. It's kind of remarkable and not in a good way. I don't know why if you're another team, you don't swoop in and uh, <laughs> grab this guy and see Galladay what you can money. do with him. No, it's uh, like, you know, I think it, it, it was the cherry on top of a terrible, pretty terrible offseason for the Titans a year ago, one that really cost them. I mean, Killed had them. they made different choices, they would have been a different team. They were relying on him after letting Jack Conklin go and other guys, and he does not show up for the challenge. And these little things, um, these are the little things, showing up to work on time, uh, you know, putting your best foot forward, X, Y, and Z, and he seems incapable of that. It just reminds you that a lot of these guys are immature. I mean, you've got to, there is something to be said about who you are off the field. He kind of reminds me a little bit for a comp like Justin Gilbert, who was a super high draft pick in Cleveland. And basically, if you wanted to pick like the 10 stupidest things you could do to have your career fade away, he did them. And Isaiah Wilson um, has also checked every possible box, including getting COVID multiple times where he was caught at like frat house. I think it was like at a frat house um, fraternizing. That's what you do at a frat house with other people who were not... Fraternizing at a frat house. Yes. With so frat it's, guys. Uh, you know, quite troubling. I mean, he doesn't... He's not that into football. It happens. You know, he's, he's not... Apparently he does not, not seem that interested in, in having an NFL career for whatever reason. It might be a simple one where it's like he's just not that into it. Um, so I don't know if it's sad well, or or there might be more serious things going on. I was going to say that that Maybe. might end up being a simplification. It, he, he seems like a guy that's a little bit lost at sea. Right. I mean, he does, yes. and, and it doesn't sound like he has people that are, are there to help him make the right decisions, or if there are people, he's ignoring them. But it's it's pretty sad, actually, because if we you take a step back and you don't think about it, but then it's like it's like a twenty two year old kid, like, and he's totally like you know, part of the French 
fucking up his life right now, and only he can really get himself back on track. And right now, he is off. Yeah, I had a I had a conversation about this actually with someone over the weekend, and I it's my theory. Like I saw this tweet going around. It's like, hey, just because you're in the NFL doesn't mean you like football. Like plenty of these guys don't really like it that much. And I thought, okay, well that I think the majority by far do because it's so hard to get through. But I do think there is like a subsection of NFL players and it's often the most talented ones who can get by enough with their talent and they don't become like the best players in the league. They probably are just like on your roster and they're maybe middle of the pack and they can just like get by with their talent just because they're talented enough and they're, they're not really that into it. And, um, I think I think he would have been he could have been in that category, but he's he doesn't even make the bare minimum of caring apparently. You know that Greg had a spicy weekend <laughs> when he was having off the cuff conversations about Isaiah well, Wilson, this story, with unnamed individuals. This story it was an interesting story. Spicy. Uh, all right, so off the field issues have been an issue for Isaiah Wilson. Also, off the field issues alleged coming to the forefront here around Deshaun Watson. This is a story that's getting bigger, and um, now we have to track and see how it plays out because there's a lawyer named Tony Busby uh, who said that 12 clients will sue the Texans quarterback uh, for alleged misconduct, misconduct during massage sessions. And the latest of those lawsuits is on an incident that happened allegedly uh, just this month. So it is now officially up to 11. So he promised 12. It's the official count is 11 at a Friday press conference. Busby said uh, that the misconduct continued a- even after this started to pick up some steam as something that was happening, happening these uh, lawsuits and the league is monitoring and investigating the situation. He could be disciplined Watson under the personal conduct policy Um, He could face criminal charges. That is still in play. So we have to learn more about this. But at a time when Deshaun Watson is the centerpiece of the NFL in terms of intrigue, he wants out of Houston. Now there is a huge off-the-field issue around him, and you just wonder how that's going to play a part in whether he stays, goes, or even comes off the field entirely. Yeah, and I I think it's it's impossible to say right now. We'll start there. But I do think the story, as you mentioned, Dan, transitioned at some point as the number of um, women accusing him piled up that this is beyond like not nothing. Like this is not nothing. This is not something they can put to the side that the Chargers uh, also are getting increasingly serious. And, you know, I went through and read uh, all like a bunch of the different charges and, you know, some of them, some of them involve, you know, him him touching, and initially the first couple ones were a little more vague. But you, you, the, he has the texts, and he has like some social media stuff that he's putting as part of it, and it's it's very si- serious, and it complicates it. And you do think about previous um, dom- domestic cases, like you know, conduct policy cases. I'm, I'm thinking of Jameis Winston specifically. Yeah, he got suspended for that, um, for what he did, and I think we, we have to see how this you know goes from here. But it makes it really complicated um, for for Watson, for the Texans, for for everyone. 
I think also if you're like Peter King pointed out, and you know, if you're into football, maybe you don't know some of how the legal stuff goes. But if it's civil, these are civil suits, mm-hmm. and you can't be put on the commissioner's exempt list in, with civil suits. If it moved to criminal suits, that's when guys like Adrian Peterson and Ray Rice. Um, we're put on those lists because that's the distinction there. Um, but another thing that he pointed out from a football angle that I, I think is just um, weighs heavy over the next month plus is that we're about 38 days away from the draft. And, you know, we've all talked about any sort of Deshaun Watson trade. Obviously, it has to happen. It could be close to the draft, but before the draft so that teams know, whatever team would be, know what they're doing at quarterback, including the Texans. And 38 days um, with all this stuff thrown into it, is a very short amount of time, and it could just leave all of this um, in a very weird place. And you wonder, I mean, based on how all this goes, where does Sean Watson's playing at all next year, or if he's playing? And it's but it's it's a wait and see, you know? I, I think you have to push pause on the whole thing if from a football perspective, sure. right? Because if you're the yeah. Texans, well, the Texans, as we understand it, don't want to trade Deshaun Watson. But if, they'll, if they felt like they had to and they didn't have a choice— you're going to want to move them for, you know, a mountain. You're going to want to be able to restock your franchise with that trade. And if you're another team, are you going to trade away your future for a guy that has an unsettled legal situation and not just, you know, a one-off case of some kind, uh, an, an alleged pattern of behavior that is really messy and disturbing, and that is not necessarily a guy you want to mortgage your future over until you find out whether or not you know this gets cleared up in courts one way or the other. So it does feel like, and, and as Mark mentioned, with the draft here, it all makes sense that you would want to do a trade before the draft, but maybe that's just not the way this is going to work out anymore. It is very messy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I think, I think if it was someone other than Watson – the story would have accelerated even faster. I think his reputation and all the other things that he's done in his career and his life and his relationships and everything almost was, you know, gave gives him some benefit of the doubt in terms of how it just was being handled publicly. You know, like for one or two of these complaints when they first popped up and there's a lot of focus on the lawyer and, and different things. And that's all, you know, worth having context about. Um, but I think if it doesn't matter who you are, or what's happened before, if you put the same circumstances with any player in the NFL, it would be like incredibly serious, much less a guy who's a franchise quarterback and you know potentially getting traded right now. I mean, I think the thing is you can't get out of here without noting that when it started and it was just there were whispers of this and it was like, oh, this lawyer lives essentially sort of kitty corner to the Houston mm-hmm. Texans owner, that there were layers of what is this seems potentially fishy we want let's take you know of course just wait and see but to the point that you made where the uh, the number of cases and the frequency and these the similarities of them all it's just pretty dense and intricate intricate and so um you know our job really is just to not assume just to wait and find out how the legal side of it carries out but i mean the timing could not be thornier it's interesting how the story has been covered because you're right it it pops up at a time where the Texans, in terms of PR, could not be worse right now about who's running the franchise, how it's being run, and how they're desperate to keep this guy. And then the conspiracy theories about, oh, well, maybe this is one way to, to make that happen, to depress his trade market. But now you don't – and then you, heard, you had this lawyer, and it was like the way he came out initially, it seemed like he was an ambulance chaser type guy that he sh- shouldn't be taken seriously, that he was looking for publicity. But that feels – to feels like it's shifted over the past week. So we will continue uh, to track this story as unpleasant as it is. Uh, Back to football. 
Nice signing here by the Denver Broncos who pick up Kyle Fuller, um, a really solid cornerback formerly of the Chicago Bears. It's a one-year, $9.5 million deal. Uh, nice spot there for Vic Fangio. They have experience together from their days in Chicago. And, Greg, it just so happens that the Broncos really needed another cornerback, and now they have a really solid one uh, to pair with Ronald Darby. And, and, oh, by the way, Justin Simmons, one of the best safeties in the league, just signed an extension. Things are set up well in the back end in Denver. I like their offseason a lot. They also brought back Shelby Harris, who is one of my favorites. That defense, I, I think, should expect to be in the top five because they're, they're a defense-heavy team right now. They need that defense to be good. They're spending there. They have a great coach, great system. Von Miller's coming back. That's the type of defense the Broncos can have. I think from the Bears' perspective, if you want to pile on the Bears for anything over the last week, it's not the Andy Dalton signing. It's the Kyle Fuller release. It's the fact that you were trying to trade Kyle Fuller and, and probably Akeem Hicks to the Seahawks for Russell Wilson right before you cut Fuller that you mismanage your cap to the point where you have to cut a really good player. I said you know earlier this month how they're not cutting players they want to keep. Maybe the Bears were an exception to that because Fuller is still playing at a high level, but you you kind of mismanaged everything where you... There's been a few exceptions, Mr. Rosen. There's been a few, but my general point remains i stand by it one of the one of the legs of your table uh, your soapbox are wobbly right now but you're, you're still up there hey, a couple exceptions that prove the rule but the ryan pace has blown this you got to stand behind me on that point uh it really makes no sense <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, it, Greg, makes, I'm with it you. makes no sense and i love it for denver he has i mean also kyle fuller couldn't know vic fangio any better and we it's a great signing is you don't you don't wonder if he'll fit into that system you know he will and if you're the broncos and vic fangio is your coach what are you doing other than building up that defense to the best it can be he's not he's an old school type of hire if the defense isn't like loaded at every position it's a it's a weakness and i know a bunch of listeners have been telling us that we've been calling the general manager his name is george payton according to some um we don't. We refuse to acknowledge that. We because choose not the, to recognize it. Sure, I, we're not dumb to the suggestion. We just refuse to uh, to to give in to that. We have our own name for well, him and the head coach. General Patton uh, military marching music, uh, Ricky. That would be nice. I, yes, uh, Peyton. Eh, we already got a Peyton. Okay, we don't need to Lots complicate things. And well, plus we had George we had Patton's a you know a George Patton. And he was a general patent, and this patent is a general manager. It's too pit. It's too perfect. It's exactly. Just keep it. exactly. Just keep it patent. From a wordplay angle, you can't ignore it. Please. It's like some people on this network, on NFL Network, call me Hanzus, and they like Sheck started it, and it stuck a little bit. I could go around spending my life uh, correcting people as I've had to do, but at a certain point, I was just like, you know what? If certain people like hitting my last name in a different way. Um, even if they know that it, it's been said multiple ways, whatever you feel works. And for our podcast in our league, it's George Patton. Mm. It's the yep. general. Well, you are. Well, that's speaks, you are that the old loser. Loser. You, Dan. You are the old. Yeah, loser, old, right. I know. It's, it's well, well, what happened to Daddy Rich, though? I, I thought you were, you're floating. There seems Daddy like the, uh, people have multiple options in how they would like to address you. Daddy Rich is one that never really got off the ground, but it was officially. Uh, thrown out there by you, by the new old blue eyes is another option. I mean, there's just you've got a lot of directions. The one new old blue in. eyes, that one's get, that's catching a little fire. That one's where that's bubbling up, and who knows? Fire might, is strong. It might be turning into you know how like nobody calls him Matt Smith. 
In fact, my old neighbor, now that I've moved, but um, she was asking me right before I moved, you know, about what it's been like doing shows during the pandemic. And I told her, oh, yeah, you know, doing the podcast and we have a show and also do this power ranking show with uh, uh, Matt Money Smith. And she's like, oh, you know, Matt Smith. I was like, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, Money's a great guy. Oh, we, we love Matt Smith. We listen to his show every day. It's like, who calls him Matt Smith? You know what's so funny? Like I had, you know how Facebook, they'll throw you suggestions on who to add as a friend. And I was looking at them and it was like, become friends with Matt Smith. And I was like, I don't know anyone named Matt Smith. And I was like, wait a minute, that's money. And like I realized I totally get why he injected the his birth name with a with a saucy nickname in between because it changes the entire energy. Everything changes by right. throwing money in. That's why uh, the new old blue eyes. I don't know if that ends up being my thing. Where my when you see my nameplate on NFL Network, it's going to say Dan New Old Blue Eyes hands. That's in play maybe, but I don't Chunky. know for sure. I don't control it. I don't control. I'm it. I'm more interested just that you that your vision of yourself was throwing this nickname out there. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. You know, that's the nickname you want. That's the nickname you want. That's. I don't. Dumb. I just go with the flow. I just go with the flow. All right. Chris Carson went with the flow, and it took him right back to Seattle. Nailed it. <laughs> Two <laughs> years, fourteen point six million. Uh, there's one of those stupid void years in there. Now that that can't be new, but I feel like that's being stressed more this year. People are like. Like that Taysom Hill contract, which not to get off off track here, but we never really dug in on it. Taysom Hill got the $140 million extension, which clearly isn't that. But why did they have to make it so giant? Was that was that trolling people that don't understand the salary cap or me specifically? I don't know. Why was that contract so giant? <laughs> it's vo- voids every year. It's like, it's like, oh, no, don't take the contract seriously. It has voids after each year. Like, again, not to hit on this again, but what what are we doing here? Well, what are we doing here? Why is everything it makes so the, complicated? It, I think it probably appeases certain the egos of certain agents where they know that a vast majority, outside of like sort of some, you know, a group of nerds, not, I won't call them nerds, but like people that understand numbers, um, they're going to see through that that haze right away. But the most football fans think that Taysom Hill signed this monster no, contract not, until, not his until smarter people yeah. Like 10 minutes later, describe it. Initially, you don't have your average guy or girl just saying like, well, wait a minute, that contract looks voidable and strange. Like you, you need like that layer of analysts to come in to and Mark's break it point, down for you. Go check out the like uh, whoever it was, whether it was Rap Sheet or Schefter, I don't know who it was. The the initial tweet of the numbers and then look at all the replies <laughs> right. for like the next five days. Just the total. No, but then like a, within three hours, like calmer heads have come in and said, "This is probably what's really happening with the financials." No, to, to your to your point, uh, to answer your question, Dan. Though, I like that. Uh, Taysom, I will be. Well, Mark doesn't do a lot of voice. Yeah, work, that was good. And I just have to say, maybe we need have to have more Sessler voice work. I don't know who that was. That was like an announcer type. That was PFF like underscore cap expert. I feel. Like just the right. general, <laughs> general guy. Like a snob. He's like a snob at a country club from an '80s movie. Um, what were you saying? I was saying to answer your question. Yes, the Taysom Hill thing was was um, what was the word you used? It was it was having a little fun with us, trolling us. Yeah, yes, it was a hundred percent because his contract, unlike some of these others, didn't have anything real in it. 
they just they just were me- they were just messing around. They weren't adding anything to real to his contract. And you're right, these voids they've been around a little bit, but they've been growing. And it's been it's old Loomis in New Orleans who really brought it to the forefront. Um, I hope. And the Drew Brees, like all of Drew Brees' contracts lately, have had these voids, and then the Patriots copied it with Brady, and like now it's like everyone's just going void wild. You know what I hope? Because I don't like being trolled. I don't like people being showy and, and say, oh, look, I know the cap so well. I could, you know, I could make this a billion dollar contract if I want. I want something to happen with old Mickey Blue Eyes himself, Loomis. I want him to somehow miss something in the notes and it to end up being a guaranteed 140 million to Taysom Hill. Like he just gets banged for being the show off. That's what he deserves. I think it's Sean Payton. Too, who's just like, well, we got to do, oh, we yeah. got to do this crazy void with someone. Who should we do it with? And they're like, hey, let's do it with Taysom. That'll really get them going. Let's. <laughs> Chris Carson, back to Chris Carson. Yes, good job uh, by the Seahawks. Another guy that you kind of thought might end up uh, leaving and, and making that team weaker as a result, but he comes back on a team friendly deal. I, I like to think, and when he's right, which isn't always the case with health issues with Chris Carson, Mark, but when he's right, he's a really good freaking running back. So they got him back in the fold. I, I he's the kind of running back that I kind of just like. I enjoy. I think he makes the Seahawks fun when he's on his game. I mean, if you go back to like 2017, I think he's fourth in the league in sort of tackle breaking elusiveness and creating yards after contact. That kind, of, those kind of metrics. And you know, they also um, acquired Gabe Jackson from the Raiders. So I, I think there's something here where it's like let's we're trying to show you Russell Wilson we want we're not just appeasing you but we do want to put the parts around you to quell this storm um because if the Deshaun thing goes south there may be extra attention on making this Russell Wilson thing happen if you're one of these teams that doesn't have a chance Mm. to draft you want to go swing for the fences the spotlight turns to Russell Wilson. I think if you're Pete Carroll and the Seahawks are saying, we're getting you a right guard, we're getting your running back back here, we have a draft coming up, bang. I I, am cur- I feel like they've had a curious offseason, though. I, kn- I know their fans do, and I share that, that they, they really valued uh, signing Carson and then trading for Gabe Jackson, who's making $10 million. Meanwhile, you didn't. And, and signing Gerald Everett, the tight end from the Rams, for $7 million. like th- That money adds up to a lot, and you chose not to keep Dunlop. You don't really have a, a pass rush. You chose to keep Jaron Reed over uh, some of these other guys. The, the offensive line, okay, Gabe Jackson, and you re-sign po- Pochick. It's like, eh, I don't know. I, but Dunlop's see, contract was out of control. Yeah, it was $14 it, like, million, but I'd rather have Dunlop million? than Everett. Uh, and Carson or Everett and Gabe Jackson, however you want to add it up. I think there's a lot of uh, grumbling going on in Seattle right now about how their team's being run by the fans. And I I get it. I do. And by the way, and this is quieted down since the trade, but they still have to pay Jamal Adams. Yep. They gave up two first round (laughs) picks for that guy. And he's going to be wanting to be paid at a, a market resetting level contract. And by the way, if you delay too long on that, he will start to let you know about it. And I know from experience, you don't want to go down that road uh, with Jamal Adams. Uh, so yes, it's going to be, I think we talked about this um, with Mike Dugar when he was on the show. Uh, and this feels like such a pivotal year in the future for the future of the Seattle Seahawks. Like everything can change uh, if things Go poorly, and conversely, if things go really well, if they're back in the Super Bowl, uh, but this is all going to be forgotten. But uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, moving on, he would have been nice for the Patriots, by the way, Chris Carson. 
you going to fall back I really on Lenny Fournette? Yeah, teams? I really like Chris Carson. I just was surprised that he got so much. Uh, and it shows the Seahawks' priorities. Yeah, I would have loved him on the Patriots for for uh, a lower price or what, or for any price. Well, I'm not the one paying. What do I care? Well, those guys are the Patriots. Probably would have overpaid him twice with Seattle. Did <laughs> I think they were? They must have been in on in on him pretty hard, and that's why he he got so much. I think from Seattle. I, I said that Will Fuller and the Dolphins felt like it was always meant to be. Uh, I kind of feel the same way about Deshaun Jackson and the Rams. Doesn't he feel like a guy that was always going to end up on the Rams, and now he is there? He signs a one year contract, uh, so he'll be catching passes. That's a good thought. Matthew Stafford throwing passes to Deshaun uh, Jackson deep down the field. The problem is the man cannot cannot stay healthy. Uh, we all know that. So he's 34 now. Those paper mache hamstrings. I don't imagine they're going to get stronger as he enters his mid 30s. I've just been through a week of moving, and my body is in a full on revolt. Just the <laughs> aches and pains of lifting boxes and putting together things and going up and down stairs. Uh, for Deshaun Jackson, it's going to be tough for him to stay healthy. But if he ever did, if he ever did, he'd be a star. My guess is it's for very, very little money. The, the money hasn't come out, so my guess it's. It's just kind of a flyer. I'm I'm glad as a fan because I I just don't like Deshaun Jackson going out on two total injury plagued years. The league more is more fun watching him. And as recently as uh, Week 16 last year, whenever he plays, he like rips off an 80 yard touchdown. You remember that that touchdown he had from Jalen Hurts uh, was against the Cowboys. So like even though he never plays, he seems to get a 70 yard touchdown every time he plays. So give it a shot. I mean, he hasn't he hasn't had a full season in seven years. Um, but I think this is a Sean That's a lot McVay. of evidence. That's the, yeah, so if it's you like get last, like eight great games out of him for a million or two million dollars, which eight? Is, is which is what I that would seems guess. like a lot. Which is what I would guess he was signed for. Then it's worth eight it. quarters. Eight quarters eight is quarters the over under. Right. I really do think so. And like, I mean, look at the problem is the Eagles were legit counting on him the last two right. years. And you're right though. If you go back to the opener in 2019. He blew up Washington, and it was like this guy still can play, but you're but he can only play one or two weeks a year. I mean, but Sean McVay got the best out of him in Washington. I think this is a relationship signing, and they lost Brandon Cooks. Um, Josh Reynolds was signed by the Titans, so you got Cooper Cup, you've got Van Jefferson, so he has a chance to see targets and snaps. If to Dan's point, the paper shea hamstrings, you know, if you get a little too too much heat on paper mache, it gets gluey and it mm. it goes back to that. It's not, you know, it doesn't keep its form. He's an LA He's guy a, too. You know, I like that that whole that whole uh what could go wrong? He you know, he's an exciting athlete and all that, but I don't I don't want him on my team. I just feel like it's not weeks one and two as you have to worry about. Receiver, it's weeks though, three through a, 17. What about a, as, I, I guess I got to see the money, but as like a fourth receiver for two or three million dollars or third receiver. Okay. I mean, that, that is the limit, though. And maybe, yeah. Yeah, they're, this, they're, the fact, they're paying, um, you know, their top two guys good money, Woods uh, and Cup. And, the, and, you know, the fact that he's still in the league at this point is a testament to when he has been on the field. Because otherwise, I mean, his body's clearly telling the National Football League, <laughs> I can't do this. I can't play football on your team because right. this doesn't – I can't do it. It's not going to work. I want to. I can't. I want to. I'd love to. But I will not cooperate with you for three months. I just can't do it, let alone three weeks. Little, wouldn't it be worth it for like one Matthew Stafford 75-yard in-the-air bomb to him that'll just look beautiful? It, it, I guess I'm look, just I mean, saying Give me $1.2 million to work one week a year, and I will give you something special in that week. You'll, you won't forget it. 
Greg Greg Rosenthal, Rams fans out there, savor that incoming eighty-four yard touchdown. It will be cool. <laughs> While you're down twenty-seven to ten in the fourth yeah, quarter, this, is, this was exciting. This was the the first ever NFL news I can remember. My my wife uh, Emika. Uh, broke to me because she's on some mailing list because she bought my daughter a Rams T-shirt and it was like they were they were out front with this Deshaun Jackson news right off the bat. Wow. Well, you're busy talking Isaiah, you know whatever his name <laughs> is, to like random sources. So. Right off, um, right after we got off uh, the podcast air on Thursday, as this always happens, uh, big news went down in the NFL business news. Uh, the league announced a, a new 11 year deal with its television partners. Um, according to the AP, the NFL will earn a total of $113 billion, that's billion with a B, from the deal, and it will run through the 2033 season unless the NFL opts out, which they can't, <laughs> I believe, in seven or eight years, uh, and I'm sure they will, and then sign something worth, I don't know, trillion, $112 trillion maybe, <laughs> next deal. Anyway, it's pretty crazy, but uh, in terms of what it means to you, the, the football fan, uh, a few notes. And then I'll throw it to you guys if you had anything else you took out of it. Uh, number one, we don't get any of the money. That should be noted. Mm. Um, Monday night games starting in 2023 will be flexible starting in week 12. That's interesting. There will be more Monday doubleheaders. Uh, there's going to be a Saturday doubleheader. This is all a couple, of, a couple of years down the line. But Saturday doubleheader during the final week of the season with teams that have playoff um, aspirations. That So that's flexible. And Thursday Night Football is headed to Amazon in a full-time capacity starting in 2023, which is obviously a total game-changer for um, television. The idea that watching a a primetime spotlight island NFL game, now you would only be able to do it unless you had your computer uh, internet hookup. Um, And that's that's a game-changer, and that looks like the future. Yeah, the home markets will will get those Amazon games. I was curious about that on some sort of over the air TV, but if uh, nationally, yeah, you'll have to have Amazon Prime. That that changes. It's a bummer here for for us at NFL Network. They said the Net, NFL Network will have a small, you know, selected series of games. It's a little unclear what that would be. Maybe holidays or Saturdays. We'll, we'll see. Um, but it just it just goes to show coming off the the pandemic. Um, to be able to do this is wild. And I, I love the fact that they're going to be flexing Monday night. I, and, and I think, you know, it, should, it shouldn't go without saying uh, 17 weeks, starting, starting this season. That, that's part of it, too. That's not official, I guess, yeah, I mean, but I think, I think it, it's close to as official. We've been calling for more flexing, um, and as, as of others, for a long time. So I love that they're open to that. I do wonder who would be the announcers for the Amazon um, scenario. TBD. I mean, maybe you still you, you know, TBD on that. Here's one little thing that stuck out for me because how long have we been watching football where Network A owns the AFC and Network B owns the NFC, and all of that is going away. That the there is no more CBS um, AFC partnership and Fox NFC marriage. That it's all being dissolved, mm. and I find that fascinating. Um, to, I don't. Maybe that's just a nerdy thing, but I grew up with NBC um, being tied at the hip to the AFC. That became CBS, but Fox has been with the NFC for so long, and all of that's being thrown into a soup, um, which I think is causing may cause some consternation because you don't have those. You can't rely on those certain properties um, if you're one of those networks, those certain teams year after year. So let's we'll see how they figure that out. But I think most of this is 
how lucky that they signed that CBA when they did. None of the, I don't none of this would be happening right now. They got that thing out in time at the weirdest time in our our nation's history to be signing massive um, contracts. Hmm. Get your t- eight o'clock. Get your Tubi, Ooh. by the way. You know how like each each uh, network has their own you know streaming platform. Like if you don't if you're a cord cutter, you can get Paramount Plus and you'll get NFL games. That's going to get everyone to you know sign up for Paramount Plus. But Fox's you know streaming thing is called Tubi. T-U-B-I. So you might have some NFL We have Tubi in our house. At Tubi. On Tubi. Yeah. Tubi has a separate version of NFL Network um, <laughs> that just hosts all sorts of other programming. It's pretty good. Sorry, probably didn't need to jump in to talk Tubi, but I just like the word uh, Tubi. T-U-B-I. Let's do it. I like. I just like an entire show that's just Mark and Greg breaking down the streaming wars. <laughs> Who needs Marshawn? Like going upstream with Sessler and Rosenthal. I would be the Robin to uh, Greg's Batman on that front. He is like obsessed with television deals. Uh, let's hit eight o'clock delight. Philip Lindsay, formerly of the Broncos, signs a one-year, three point two five million dollar contract with the Texans. The Texans, who also just signed Mark Ingram and also brought back David Johnson. Okay, they've they've signed twelve different players to one-year, three million dollar contracts. But this was maybe my favorite one, this one in Desmond King. Yeah, I don't hate what they're doing a little bit because they can reset the board next year, run a little single wing with all three running backs and Tyrod Taylor. Wow. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals, they uh, finally add someone to their offensive line. It is Riley Reef, who has recently been with the Vikings. They also, as we know, uh, let A.J. Green walk in free agency. While they also say goodbye to 32-year-old Geno Atkins, the great defensive tackle who is cut after 11 years in Cincinnati. Injuries have taken their toll, Greg. They have. Uh, potential Hall of Famer. I think he'll get another job. Uh, and and I, know, uh, I know you were worried about Burrow, so at least they're trying. They're trying. They, they better use that first-round pick in the draft on a tackle. We'll see. Sheldon Rankins, uh, formerly of the Saints, signs a two-year $17 million contract. Another guy that's been dealing with injuries. He's now joining a Jets defensive line that needed um, a little more depth. Uh, what do you think about Rankins, Greg? Big upside. His 2018 season, he was awesome. That's a, It's a nice signing for, for that. In 2018, he had eight sacks and forced a fumble. Eight, 16 starts for Sean Payton. All right, Xavier Rhodes re-signed by the Colts. One year, six and a half million. Um, what do you think, Mark? Well, I think Matt Eberflus got the best out of him last year after he really kind of crashed and burned in Minnesota. So why not? They could use an extra pass rush, though. That makes the secondary better. Dan Quinn, fired by the Falcons, resurfaces as D.C. with the Cowboys. And now he brings along one of his former guys, Dan O'Neill, the linebacker safety, one year, $5 million. Yeah, they're trying out a few other ex-Falcons. It's like, yeah, let's, let's get the whole Falcons defense back together. That was a great group. Going to play linebacker too. Sorry, he's a good. Pick. Anthony Harris, the safety, signs a one-year, five million dollars deals with the Eagles. I like this player. They got him for five million. That's a good bargain. I mean, he he played with their new defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon. Pro Bowler. So good job. Two Brown signings: Troy Hill, cornerback, four years, twenty-four million, and also Malik Jackson signs uh, as well with the Browns, formerly of the Eagles. I think the John Johnson, Troy Hill signings were quietly some of the best work in the AFC. Perfect. Eight o'clock going. Okay. But listen, Mark, you you're feeling good about the Browns, aren't you? 
You've, you've kind of you've ducked into Slack for a couple times, a couple texts. You had a haiku on our network show. What are we thinking? I think the haiku is really just a way to um, continue to troll Big Ben in the whole concept of Big Ben um, returning <laughs> this season. But I do think um, I'm, and I'm not saying this, but I've seen some reports saying they think that the Browns have one of the most well-rounded rosters um, in the conference, and I think it's fair. I mean, you, they they needed to address secondary. They still have a few other things to do, and maybe we could get at, into that. Mm. In our segment if we wanted to. Mm. But Mark uh, has a lot emotionally invested right now in not just the Browns, as he always does, but in the Browns bringing about the demise of the Steelers. So that'll be a, a well, fun, if it goes su- south, fun subplot be, to watch this year. Right. If that goes south, um, or if it just goes back to the norm of before last season, or really just before last wild card game, um, there will I will be punished by many from the Pittsburgh area on Twitter. <laughs> this this is setting up though potentially as the true now the playoff game was a lot of fun uh, but maybe Mark truly the tables turn starting in 2021 and you become the bully and how will you handle that will you comport yourself in a way uh, that you felt the Steelers fans didn't always handle their business the right way will you handle yourself with dignity if that happens I hope I would, but I would say it's very up in the air because um, <laughs> I'm already noticing that my behavior is becoming less couth um, post-wildcard game. I'm starting to inhabit some of the traits <laughs> that I found unlikable in others. Um, all right. Let's, let's uh, before we say goodbye uh, quickly, let's talk about it. Um, teams that still have work to do, whether it's going to be free agency or the draft, Mark, do you want to get going? I will. I thought that the Jaguars, um, and there's a lot of places you go here, I thought the Jaguars were a logical landing spot for like a Hunter Henry type or maybe even a Janu Smith. Um, and obviously no one um, but the Patriots snagged both of those guys. They let Josh Oliver go, who was a bust. Um, they have Trevor Lawrence coming in, barring something un- un- uh, you know unexpected. You'd love to give a rookie quarterback, even if you're as good as Trevor Lawrence, like a security blanket. I think that's something like Sam Darnold's missed in New York, for instance, because they've had issues at that position in health. They've got your dude Chris Manhurts, um, lined up to play snaps, and, John, and James O'Shaughnessy. I like the idea of James O'Shaughnessy, James O'Shaughnessy. on your O'Shaughnessy. roster doing one or two things, but not as like these two guys as your um, starting tight end. So I, there are um, they're in tough position because there are a couple good tight ends in the draft, but they're not going to go in that mm. direction in the first round, um, and they're kind of out of luck right now. So I think it's a position that they need to look into. I I did a uh, best worst contracts. Um, piece for NFL.com that's going up this week. I'm not sure when. Uh, and the Jaguars were on the worst because they were they were the one team that I felt like like all these deals were below what you expected, except if you signed with Jacksonville. Like they where there was like the top of the market where everyone was about where you thought, and then a lot of bargains, except for Jacksonville giving like a lot of money to Roy Roberts and Harris and Malcolm Brown and Marvin Jones and Rayshon Jenkins and. Griffin, their their cornerback that they got, um, just felt like they paid a premium. I don't know if that was like a "Hey, we're bad, we're the Jaguars" premium or or what, but they, I don't know if they had a great month. It feels like a Trent Balky um, premium. I that was an interesting person to hire a GM. Uh, how about you? Um, let's go with Miami. I, it seems weird because they just signed Fuller, and yet I like want more. I just got maybe it was expectations being too high that I thought they were going to do a lot this offseason. 
and they got rid of some good players and they you know they brought in Fuller they brought in Justin Coleman who's a, a slot corner but especially on offense where I'm not totally convinced in that offensive line no matter how much uh handsome Hank says they're better than I think uh that they're great and then you know I just want more receiving weapons and, and I thought they'd bring in a nice running back there so maybe that's the draft maybe that's bargains in free agency there's still players out there but I, I want to see more out of the Dolphins that makes sense, but I, I do like I, I I like that they haven't panicked and and we'll see maybe something changes between now and the draft. But I never like that idea of pivoting away from Tua potentially or going crazy. Um, I would like I think it would be totally it would be nonsense if you essentially soured on Tua based on last year, which had so many obstacles against him. So. I, I like the Fuller signing, but you say you yeah, want to add another big more. time piece. I want more. Maybe it's the running game. Did you want them in the Galladay Yeah, Did I you thought, want them in that, yeah, and in I that conversation? Yeah, I think they were um, to some degree. Yeah. Um, but even another – it's just a thinner group than you'd like. They did sign Matt Skura, the, the Ravens center, who I believe was the one that was struggling with snaps. Am I crazy or you're the one that got hurt? Either way, they did sign a center, but I I want them to like take the next step. And uh, Looking at the roster, not sure if I see it. I think in another world, they could have gone after Aaron right. Jones, which, I mean, a lot of people were connecting those dots. I thought that would happen. But they have a lot of draft picks, and I think they have – I really do think Chris Greer um, is the kind of guy that maybe says, we're going to get our running back in the draft. And there's there are some mm-hmm. good backs in there. Um, we kind of touched on it quickly, so I won't um, dig in on this one. But, yes, I think – good job. They – the Bengals signed Riley Reef, and they they had a steak dinner where they sealed the deal. Joe Burrow was there, Zach Taylor was there. Um, after dinner, um, Reef walked away uh, saying, "I walked away from eating that steak, and I was like, I want a blo- block for that guy." All right, good. So that's a good start, Cincinnati. Let's not settle now. I know Mitchell Schwartz is out there. I don't know if he's continuing to play. Um, obviously, the top of that draft, but I, I really want to focus on a different team in the AFC North, and it is the. Baltimore Ravens and um, man, it's it's interesting to me that they are not uh, more active in trying to build up their wide receiver room right now. And I'm not saying they should assign Kenny Galladay because that was a lot of money to give to Kenny Galladay, and you have financial restraints. But you know, you didn't go the extra mile to get Juju. I imagine you could have if he signed a one year deal worth eight million and I know maybe they did offer a little bit more, but maybe you have to go another year to add someone there. But the fact that you still have Hollywood Brown at the top of your depth chart, um, it makes me think that this team is not is going to struggle with Lamar Jackson to take that next step on offense unless they, they make a splashy uh move via trade or really focus it on uh draft upgrading at wide receiver and this fact, whether you can put whatever you want into it, but I think it, it does um, hold water because Ozzie Newsom gave way to Eric DaCosta uh, who learned under Ozzie Newsom. They've never drafted a pro bowl wide receiver in the history of that organization. So if you're leaning on that, there's some history that tells you they're not, maybe they have a little bit of a blind spot at wide receiver. So if you're going to pass on free agency, you better hit on somebody in the draft. Unless I'm crazy, Greg, and I know you love Lamar Jackson. Uh, that, this is fine the way it is, and they're a running team anyway, and you don't need to build up around. No, other I agree with everything position. you said. I, I'm not shocked because it's how the Ravens 
have approached things over the years, and we knew they were coming into this offseason in a tough spot. You know, they also lost their top two pass rushers, uh, and they've made some moves. Kevin Zeitler, they picked up for their offensive line. There is one name out there who's atop my receiver rankings, really the top two there left, that I think would be good for them, which is T.Y. Hilton is, is number one left. I think that'd be a nice signing. I don't think he's done. Um, but the Colts are Makes trying sense. to bring him back. And then Antonio Brown, who they were rumored to be um, talking with at some point last year, is also available. I don't know if that's the right fit. Yeah. Right. Well, I don't know if that's the, the right fit, but those are the top two though. receivers, yeah. at least, available on my on my board. I could imagine Antonio Brown being um, very annoyed and quite I don't want, I don't want him there. Six. I don't want I mean, him there. It just totally seems agree. like a little, right? No, I I, I just wonder if you're talking to your camp, your agents, your managers, and you have equal deals from Team A and Team B, and you know the Ravens are a tough place if you're a wide receiver to think I'm going to go and become, I'm going to blow up here. This is a great fit. It's like you maybe you will, but you have no idea. And like the Greg Roman offense feels like the last offense you'd want to run into based on their star wide receiver there saying you know multiple times this year this place is a trash bag. <laughs> right, Juju would have been perfect. So our our Taylor reading about it report that. Juju got a $9 million offer from the Ravens, so $1 million more, but more incentives, like some incentives too, but it was still a one-year offer. Why not make a little more, give a little more guaranteed? I think Juju would have fit perfect in Baltimore. That's where Lamar throws best is over the middle. Tough. T.Y. makes sense. Sammy Watkins also out there as an option. So I don't know, but make a move, make a move. Give you give you that that guy a chance to lift his game as a passer. If that's the the jury's out on him in that sense, well, you got to build up around him. I don't know. Uh, anybody else have something? I think I just want Denver to fill that quarterback spot with Locke because I don't want to. As someone who really likes this roster, I like their defense. I like the weapons around Locke a lot. I'm not feeling good right now that it, right now Noah Fant and Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick and Handler and even Melvin Gordon like they're all relying right now on Drew Locke. I want another. I want an option B. I don't. I think all the op, the good options are gone. So it might be too late unless you draft. It might them. be. I mean, I think the Colts um, left tackle Teddy. with Anthony Constanzo is go get look Teddy at. Denver. I just thought of that one. I, go get Teddy. I don't know. Maybe. Denver. You love it's Teddy. Better, I you just, love Teddy two and a half times more than any other person. You I know, really though. should look into who his agent well, is. About, and I know how about you know your boy and replace him. How about your boy Matt Rule? How about your boy Matt oh, Rule? You're who you to love sending sea <laughs> poems about who gave him fifty million dollars guaranteed when no one else was, who who told us on his show how much he loves him. And by the way, Helped him produce at a really high level for about ten weeks before the wheels. Well, Greg, that was All when I'm you, saying you is, buried Dan and I in front of Matt Rule to showcase yourself as a Teddy fanboy, <laughs> which I didn't appreciate. But secondly, that entire organization has said we're going to go get a real quarterback. So we I were right, what, by the way. Uh, I get it, though. You, I think you, you were you were right, <laughs> but I also think Teddy is way better than Drew Locke. Is my point? Is Teddy is. That Alex Smith, you know, or even a little lower, like 23rd or 4th best starter in the league. And to me, that might be a huge upgrade from Locke and might be a pretty big difference. In, I wouldn't in hate that. That'd That's be a good spot for Teddy. That's too. what I'm saying. It would be. That's all I'm saying. Yep. All right. I mean, I'm just, I, here's the thing with Teddy, Greg. At this point, where we are now, where it's now 2021. Last mm-hmm. year really felt like the chance for him to establish himself as a guy that you could really... Say that's my QB one. He is he is not the greatest quarterback ever, but 
you know, he's in that conversation of like a, you know, in the top fifteen. I don't, I don't think he had his chance, and it just didn't happen. So is that a top solution? 15, you're right. But I think I get it. But what if, that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for a guy to pair with Locke that is kind of a break right. in case well, of how emergency. About better than and either. I of think those. he's perfect for that. I think what I just said without realizing it was. Well, no one else is available. He's on the wrong side of the Dalton do. scale, Teddy. Yeah. So if you don't, why go, you know, whether it's, I think Locke is definitely on the wrong side of the Dalton scale. Uh, maybe they should have went in a different direction because you, that is a, a roster that can win if it has I QB think, play. I think uh, if you watched it, all of Teddy's snaps last year. Here we go. First of all, it did go south. But I think he was better than people think, if not for one really big problem, which was he played his worst in the in the late portions of fourth quarters of games, and that really soured people on Teddy, and that's understandable. Like when everyone switched to the Panthers game with five minutes left, that was when Teddy was at his worst. But that's not what you want out of your quarterback. Like that's for sure. every Panthers game seemed to come down <laughs> to like a sixty-one yard field goal attempt. I don't know if you were trying to. Left. I don't know if you were trying to help Teddy Bridgewater's. Uh, I'm just being that, real of what work, it was. That's money time, baby. Last five minutes I'm of football games. Just being real of what he was. But you're, Greg, you are going to have to at some point, like verbally accept that he's not quite as shiny as you pitch him to us as. I mean, if if he is going to be on his fourth team in four years, um, if he's on his fifth team five in five years, a year from now, will you still be, you know, song and dance scenario here with Teddy Bridgewater? Or can we chill just a little bit on the PR machine? I don't know what <laughs> what your relationship is with the Bridgewater family, but it's very close, you know. Has he reached I mean, out to a, you? He's a likable guy. No one's you questioning know, that. We we it's like fun to him. watch. Um, it's sad you kind of replaced Geno Smith with Teddy, like as the guy right. who loves a up on a level that uh, is hard to fathom for others. Um, <laughs> we all have those players, though. You're not yeah, alone. That's true. Uh, all right. Good stuff. Good stuff. We'll be back on Thursday with another show. Another big week of uh, action for the Around the NFL podcast. There is no offseason, so we have a show on Thursday, and then the network show uh, returns on Friday, and please check that out. Any uh, any closing thoughts? A haiku, perhaps, Mark? I'm something? still thinking Greg? about Teddy. I'm still thinking know you about are. things I could respond about Teddy. It's like <laughs> if if Sam Darnold had, has what, ever Why do you always up, do that? You always have Darnold. What? I am not saying Darnold's any good. I just, you know. <laughs> I'm just saying, if he had done one season as good as as Teddy's even last season, or or his first or second know, season, man. it's like we would we would be talking about him till the cows come home. I don't know, man. That's like when you you start to get upset, you just bring up Sam Darnold and and say, well, <laughs> but if he was Sam Darnold, <laughs> I mean, that's fair. You're probably right, but fair, um, fair okay, that's it. Dan has a signing off for Quiet Storm, the old boss. Ricky Hollywood, very silent assassin behind the virtual glass today. Possibly maybe, asleep. Maybe, maybe coherent, maybe awake. We don't know. Uh, but anyway, until Thursday, he's the call.
Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain unlimited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander.